Hey listeners, you're tuning in to a podcast about kids in the hall that easily veers off into mature subject matter and includes a whole heck of a lot of swearing. Enjoy the show, eh? Welcome to Kith and Tell, a whole flabby clan gathered together on the front yard playing lawn darts on wobbly thighs. Oh, man. We'll be reviewing every episode with witty banter and unmissable segments, like kids say the darndest fucking things, and why couldn't they rebel like your friend Bob Burkhart? He's got himself a lovely little drug habit. Today I'm joined by Kalina McCordoff in London, England. Lopez! <laughs> on Cytamin in Prince Rupert, Canada. Hey, Lopez! <laughs> Stu Derek Kotick in Vancouver, Canada. I don't abide any of this behavior from any of you. <laughs> I'm Trevor Record. So today we'll be reviewing episode 13 of season 1, which aired on January 30th, 1990. Let's kick it off with our sketch rundown. We've got Lonely City where what really gets to you is the babies eating alone. <laughs> Businessmen networking, where he's seen you, so that can't hurt. Several installments of Lopez! Hey, Lopez! Not Lopez. fat, in which Kevin is verbally assaulted for being fat by David. Donut shop, in which Kevin is verbally assaulted for being boring by Bruce. Lamp accident, Kevin has to break some bad news to little Donnie about his dad. And finally, mm. Indian woman, in which Scott has decided to become an Indian woman. Let's start things mm. off with Kids Say the Darndest Fucking Things, where we talk about our favorite lines from the episode. Kalina, do you want to start us off? Okay, so, I mean, from looking at you guys' notes, you guys have covered, covered off some of the best lines from the networking <laughs> sketch. So I'm going to just, you know, make sure that we recognize the searing takedown by Bruce in the donut shop scene where he reminds them all that you're losers. Go home. Go home to your hot plates and your dying cats. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty good Bruce. Thanks. I've been working on it. Yeah, it's not so bad. Um, you're right, Kalina. Uh, my favorite lines are all from the networking sketch, which uh, just gets me on so many levels, I feel like. Um, the line that does it best for me, though, is when Mark introduces Bruce to Scott, and they have a little bit of boring chit-chat, and then Scott finally says, Okay. Listen, I'm going to stand a few feet away and then just. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, I love that partly because I've done that so many times, but without saying the line. And now I really want to try this out. You're going to make a lot of enemies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know, I, that's maybe not the worst thing. That's how you do tonight. business. <laughs> hey, at least he knows me. Oh, that can't yeah. hurt. I love the networking sketch. I, I think the. Uh, the introduction from Mark McKinney was like, businessmen meeting businessmen for the purpose of meeting them again at a later date. <laughs> That's really good. I also really like when he meets Scott Thompson, he's like, what's your name? Nick? All right, what do you do, Nick? He's like, uh, I'm just starting out. Super. It's a great way to break in. Like, everything in this skit is so surreal and meaningless, and like nothing has any meaning beyond the nominal, like, going through the motions. Nobody has any idea what they're supposed to be doing. It's the best. It's how I feel at every event. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like, the, you need this as a crib sheet. Like, just insert name. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Starting yeah. out is a great way to break in, <laughs> you guys. 
I'm hoping to break in and get hot. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of buzz about you starting out and being hot. <laughs> Everything is. I'm so the hot guy. <laughs> I've got to say that Not Fat is uh, an entire sketch just devoted to a string of really good verbal takedowns, too, though. Uh, mm-hmm. And my personal favorite is, so, what's a big lump of lard do in Kitchener? I mean, what's a town like that to have to offer a wide-ass two-ton hunk of humanity like yourself? Because, you know, it's a small town. You sure you'll fit? <laughs> and just, just for anyone who hasn't actually watched the, the, the episode, he's not actually, he's a very skinny man. Who, by, yeah. <laughs> by chance, actually previously in the narrative, uh, was a fat guy, lost like a lot of weight, and now is moving to a new town to start a new life, and and Dave Foley just won't let it go. Okay, can we uh, now move on to this? No. Make me feel weird. <laughs> Are we talking about sketches we don't know what to think about? Uh, and this week, I wanted to talk about Indian woman. And Kalina, I'm going to make you start us oh, off because you no. complained. Oh, <laughs> Just kidding. As usual, I'll make Stu start us off. Uh, I, I hate this game. I hate playing this game. When we watch the skit now, my first thought, like, it came up. I still think there are funny moments to it, but my first thought is just how you couldn't make this skit in 2018. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. think it's inherently offensive or tries to move a particular agenda, but I just... I feel like it's really hard to write the scene outside of any context of cultural expropriation or issues of transism. Like, oh, I, and I, today I, it would really read as a conservative takedown of identity politics, where mm-hmm. you know it'd be like people are identifying as dragons and furries now. They're dumb. Yeah, they're dumb because they just like bed sheets. And like, I think that was initially the joke was the absurdest line of like well if you like bedsheets clearly the most sensible thing to do is become a middle-aged indian woman (laughs) but like yeah i'm with i'm with trevor on this one i feel like it would get real real popular for some groups for real unfortunate reasons unfortunate reasons yeah um so i was really trying to pay attention how this made me react um First, it was obvious, it was making me call it out for stereotyping and the racially charged language. But and at, at the same time, I was being forced to see, like you said, I said like the, how the offensive aspects were being turned on their head as a way of calling out the conservative white community and also drawing out themes of transitioning and coming out to parents and how that's perceived by people who have a real big old problem with it. But you know, <laughs> it, it, so it makes fun of the racists and the homophobes, but then it kind of ruins it by lines like the one. Uh, Stu mentioned about how being an Indian woman just fits because he really liked wearing sheets. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I I shouldn't even have to applaud this, but given that we've had to deal with unfortunate (laughs) Mississippi Gary, like, thank God they didn't try to artificially darken Scott's skin. I'm not saying that's a positive, but just thank thank God. Oh, thank God we didn't go back to that off beige place. (laughs) I, I, I just oh. I like to acknowledge we're like halfway through the first season and you're already at a point where you're like, I don't want to have segments where we talk about problematic things they do in this series anymore. <laughs> Can we just skip that? Every every episode we start being like, please no blackface, please, please no, no blackface, blackface. <laughs> please no blackface. Season yeah. one, episode one, blackface. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, this uh, is a so... bad project. <laughs> yeah, I have regrets. Um... Yeah, there's a lot happening in this sketch, and and I can't honestly really fully peg it down. Um, 
the way Scott's character is set up uh, as the premise is almost like a 1980s Rachel Dolezal. So I don't know if any of you guys and remember Rachel Dolezal. You should she remind was us. Kind of in the news a couple of years ago for being a white woman who self-identified as being black and was like a member of, uh, like I think the president uh, chapter president a, of yeah. the local NAACP <laughs> and things like. And she just she just really honestly believed that she and like felt like she was a black woman um and so started living her life that way and kind of ignored the fact that like what it is to be a black woman is um it's kind of impossible to have that experience having grown up as a pretty privileged white woman so it yeah. kind of made me feel like that was like this was weirdly 30 years ahead of its time and kind of flag and not flagging that but just kind of like pointing at that maybe mm. and and mm. questioning it but but that's not really the context of this sketch, and the tension in this sketch is is kind of between Scott's conservative parents and his character's, you know, uh -huh. supposedly genuine desire to become an Indian woman. Um, and I found this skit really uncomfortable. But there's so much of it that I felt could be interpreted as an analog for other identity struggles that kids go through with their parents. Oh yeah, um, you know, these days, like especially, like it, it, you know, if you can, if you can, which you can't really, but if you could remove the kind of racial, uh, uh, you know, component from it, like it, I think there is a lot of commonality between what they depict here uh, and like you know, this, uh, as and coming out uh, as one identity or another to your parents, mm. right? So there's, um, there's definitely a way of reading this skit where the butt of the joke really is the parents. Like the dad that's yeah. just and like, that's, that's it. I'm going to die because of what you're doing. <laughs> that's how, that's absolutely how I read it. Mm. Um, but it is, you know, it is impossible to ignore the racial dynamics of the sketch. You know, there's, there's a lot of stereotyping of the language and the culture and the dress. Um, you know, like the, the whole freeing cows as being just like part of what it is to be an Indian woman is like, yeah. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a, that's a pretty rough stereotype. Right. Um, you know, the language of the parents, I think, uh, Mark at one point says, why don't you go back to your fine dusky oh, people? Gosh. It's just like, ugh, like yeah. just, just gross. Um, even, even if that is supposed to be the butt <coughs> of the joke, like even if Mark is supposed to be the butt of the joke, it still is just like, it makes me cringe. Um, so I, I don't think it holds up, but I also don't think it's just plainly awful as it would be if it were made today, because I think they were trying to get that this progressive idea of acceptance and flexible identities that we just kind of not quite take for granted, but is just so kind of normalized nowadays. Yeah. I kind of like that the ostensible Indian community seems to accept Scott Thompson as an Indian woman, which I think is kind of cute. But like he goes mm. out for lunch and he gets hit on and then his female friends have to like kind of circle around him, <laughs> protect him. <laughs> I'd like to move us along to best kid and worst kid, where we talk about who's the winner of the episode and who's the loser. <coughs> David. Uh, uh. <laughs> no, not David this time. Oh. So did anyone stand out this episode, or does Mark take home best kid again by default? Hans, oh. why don't you start us off? Um, so for me, this episode's best kid award goes to... Kevin, as it so often does. Um... <laughs> He just has the most consistently good bits in this episode. First as the straight man in that fat sketch that you love so much, Trevor. Then mm. ordering donuts. I like love it. it. His, his <laughs> pronunciation donut. of donuts is my favorite part of that sketch in some ways. <laughs> A maple donut. Um, <laughs> then uh, him delivering the bad news of his best friend's death to his friend's son, and then getting consoled by him, and you know, it just just he's he's solid in every sketch. He's untainted by the bad Lopez sketch, and he's not even in the Ugh. Indian woman sketch, so he escapes all scorn <laughs> from that too, right? Um, 
So yeah, so Kevin for me. And then as for the worst <laughs> kid, uh, I think it's Mark in this one. Um, you know, uh-huh. he's good in business networking and th- and the cold open he he's all right with, but uh, Lopez is just so bad and it and no amount mm. of his great delivery can quite save it. Um, and his dad and the Indian woman sketch is pretty rough and, and uh, yeah, unfortunate. Look, I'm just uh-huh. I mean, I'm gonna jump in here. I don't Ooh. love Lopez. But it's not like the worst sketch. And I think there's that, we, we were sort of mentioning this um, ahead of time about just how this is sort of uh, consistent almost with that ping pong sketch, that reoccurring sketch a few episodes back, where it's just, it's just, it's just Mark being annoying. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you, just, you just have to laugh at it. His persistence. I've never laughed at Mark being annoying. No, I hate the dumb half-assed Mark sketches. And this was the most half-assed one at all. Trolly Mark is the worst. You can tell that even they knew it was half-assed because they put in a lot of canned laughter during it. Like... (laughs) Reminding the audience, Kalina you're supposed that. to laugh like, at this guy just pointlessly yelling out Lopez. Kalina, I'm coming to Vancouver nice li- and I'm going to stand outside your window and just yell <laughs> Lopez. I was going to say, and that no was one will laugh because that's not funny. <laughs> I, that's such a good I'm litmus gonna... test for like who is a pain in the ass, and it's just Kalina clapping her head and being like, "I'm going to shoot bottle rockets at you." Yay, <laughs> Kalina. Do you do you also love Big Bang Theory? I'm curious. I hate Ooh. Big Bang Theory. Do, get off my back. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I'm gonna. I grew a mustache in the last little bit, and I think that makes me a villain now. Because I'm gonna disagree with you. I found Kevin's shtick a little tiring on this episode. Mm. Like, mm. I I liked his, I liked his delivery in the bad news in the in the phone book. Like, I thought it was a good, mm-hmm. it was a good gag. But it's just more Kevin twitchy hysteria. Like, I thought it was a little bit. I thought it was a little tiring. So for me, I'm gonna go for David Tiberius Foley Whoa. as best Woo! kid this week. Man. Mm-hmm. His uh, his bachelor on the bar phone, I thought was so funny. It's just yes. like, because it's, it's happy hour. Just come on. <laughs> like, he's so pathetic. <laughs> like Trevor pointed out, his driver is great, and I have no doubts that that was just him being like, you know, a little bit drunk while writing one time, and just would yeah. not stop haranguing Kevin McDonald. And they're like, look, either put it on the paper. Or get the fuck out of the writing room. I don't want you to abuse me anymore. He's like, well, I'm going to put it in a scene. And it will be a nerd's favorite 23 years later. Um, I am right there with you with David being best here. Um, I think that abusive driver sketch is just one long list of kind of hilarious takedowns that are over the top and misplaced because Kevin's not fat anymore. And it, it was just a great role for David in particular. And yeah, Mark sucked. <laughs> Mark sucked. Although I will note, Mark got really cute in this episode. When he opens up at the bar, I was like, he gets like two points better looking. Mm. And I think he drops <laughs> back down again later. <laughs> it's a lonely city. Kalina, who, who won it for you this episode? Oh, man, I got to give it to Bruce, man. You, he killed it as the businessman who's just starting out and is causing a buzz <laughs> about being hot. But then he just so easily transitions from being that completely naive young businessman to going on a rampage and calling out all the, quote, human crap holders at the donut shop with their, quote, wrinkled faces wolfing down wrinkled crewlers sitting there waiting for the donuts to turn day old. His range just, like, really killed it this time. It was good. His range from baffled worker to baffled angry donut man. (laughs) I wonder where these bruises fit into the continuum. Oh my God! We need to get all it's of before them. he got hired at the bank. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, is, this is before he became screw the bank I work for guy, uh, Bruce. I guess. So. <laughs> you know, he works at the bank and then he goes networking and then he gets mm-hmm. fired oh, yeah. and then he becomes angry donut kid. 
Maybe. For those on, of us guys. confused about what we're talking about, <laughs> we have a theory that all of Bruce's characters exist in a continuum. They're all they're all the same character. It's the unified Bruce theory. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go, uh, let's round this out with our standout sketch and worst sketch with a rating out of five. Let's keep it short and sweet, though, Kith Pals, because I feel like this was a little bit of a weaker episode anyway. Mm. Um, just for the record, I liked the lamp skit. Little Donnie was just a real asshole, I felt. <laughs> it to me, so. <laughs> that was... so I give this uh, 3.5 out of 5. Um, and the worst sketch is Lopez, obviously, which gets 0 out of 5 because it's not a sketch and it's not funny. Lopez! Not Lopez! Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, was, what was your best and worst? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you on the lamp sketch. I thought that was a really funny one. I think it was I had it marked down as my second favorite of the night. But uh, uh, my favorite is definitely business people networking. I cannot stand networking at all. So all the forced interactions, awful jokes, the openly transactional conversations, they just... Uh, they really just tickle that bit inside of me that hates capitalism. Um, and it has it has so many great lines, but also I really wanted to shout out the entire wall full of black and white portraits of old white men behind oh, I didn't even in the background. That. It's just old white men that all look vaguely like Winston Churchill in the background, which I just thought was so <laughs> perfect. And like, again, in the 90s, calling out how old and white business people are. So that was great. Um, and I think they just nailed it perfectly. And then I agree, Lopez is not really a sketch, but I'm too Canadian to give it a zero, so I gave it a one out of five. Aww, and uh, nice. and my <laughs> score for the uh, business people networking was a three point seven five business cards out of five. Yeah. Nice. Mm. Yeah, Lopez was shit. I felt like Mark was punishing us for loving him mm -hmm. and like <laughs> testing our patience. He was like, oh. Yeah, you want to see how long I can do it? I'll do it four times. <laughs> he made this he made Hotel La Rue look good. Oh, it was such a hellad moment for me too, because it would come back up, and I'm like, there better be a punchline in this dare. one, Mark. Don't you do this? There was no payoff. There was no Even there was no Hotel La Rue had a payoff in a different sketch mm. at the end of the episode. This one was just nothing. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Although it is one of the only times they use a post credit scene. True. Because they do it while That's the credits true. roll up, That's true. but true. also like. Well, yeah, slow clap on that. Do you I gave think him, they just I were like, Mark, extra. we're not giving you any time in this episode, so you can do it <laughs> while everyone's turning the channel. Lopez! <laughs> I gave him an extra half a point for the credit roll version of Lopez, but... Yeah. Uh, I like Signs of Loneliness for best. Like, I know it's mm. short, but it was a really good snappy cold open, mm. and it's, like, different tones of humor from the different cast members, which I like, so I give it 3.8 out of 5 shots in a one-man drinking contest. <laughs> nice. <laughs> So mine is definitely networking. I mean, they say what we're all thinking at those events, which just really rips out your soul and checks it down a garbage chute. And we, <laughs> and we haven't mentioned it yet, but I really love where the two men dance by and Mark yells, holy, that is a merger. That's a merger. Oh, oh I thought that was so lame. <laughs> I loved it. That was like the weak part I'm, of that episode for me. I'm a business reporter. Okay. Just, just hear me out. <laughs> um, so this one has definitely been on my recommended Kids in the Hall sketch list before, so I'm actually going to give it five out of five Ooh. mergers Ooh. on this one. Um, <laughs> Donut Shop was a that's, close that's second. That's very high clean. Um, Donut Shop was a close second. Uh, Kevin's dumbass <laughs> Canadian accent ordering donuts, paired with Bruce's mm -hmm. rage, and then reminded politely by Mark that he should stop before he says something he regrets. So it was a great <laughs> quick sketch. I'm going to give that four out of five 
maple crullers. Mm. Um, <laughs> and um, the opening sketch that Stu mentioned, uh, loneliness, was also great for highlighting that the most stark sign of loneliness is a baby eating alone. So three out of five babies for me. And um, no. screw being short, finally the lamp sketch. I, I, I did not like it. I didn't like it, but it what? only grew on me mostly mm. because he's, when he's breaking it to little Donnie that his dad's dead, Donnie starts quoting Sartre and reminds us that death is inevitable. So three out of five philosophers on that one. I I feel like that lamp sketch is like, what if Kevin had a show and he was the only one on it? Like every sketch would be basically the, the lamp sketch. I could see that. Just Kevin freaking out in a phone booth for four hours a day. <laughs> Left to his own devices, that's what he would do again and again and again. That's why you need friends other to get us out of the phone book of sadness. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for our episode 13 review. Join us next week for episode 14, which will be hosted by Stu, maybe? I don't know. It's supposed to be Stu, yeah. Check just, in and see. I just, yeah. Find out. Hosted by Lopez. Lopez. <laughs> Lopez. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Kith and Tell. See you later. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> you.